I would like to bring a very serious prayer request to all of you listeners, and it's for Bishop Mark Morgan. He pastors in San Francisco, California. He is a guest and conference speaker, uh, done so much for our fellowship. Over the Thanksgiving holiday, Bishop Morgan uh, had to be taken in for an emergency surgery. Other complications have developed, and he needs a miracle. So join me right now in prayer for Bishop Morgan. Jesus, we call upon you, Lord, right now, for the man of God, Bishop Mark Morgan, who means so much to me, so much to so many. I pray, Lord, that the virtue of Christ would pass by him in this moment and touch his body. I ask you, Lord, to raise him up. Help him, Lord, to prevail through this. Bless him with life and longevity, we pray, and we ask you these things. In Jesus' name, and we plead your blood. Amen. It is Christmas time, the most wonderful time of the year, and it's wonderful because of a wonderful Jesus. That's right, a wonderful Jesus. His name shall be called Wonderful, right? And the Lord Jesus Christ has made uh, this season wonderful, our lives wonderful, and we really do need something wonderful. I can't even take the news anymore. I took a break from it for a long time trying to get back into it. It's just horrible. This uh, election season, you talk about mudslinging. Uh, even uh, in the debate, I saw <laughs> one of the candidates fat shaming another one and, and uh, used the H-bomb on him. So then you got all these horrible things happening in Eastern Europe with Ukraine and Russia. Still no talks of peace. No talks of peace. Nothing but money and war. Money and war. War, war, war. Money, money, money. Nations in conflict. Distress of nations. And then, of course, we have Israel in the war against Hamas, the terrorist group. I saw the the last I saw they've surrounded a house of one of the leaders ready to take action and doing everything that they can to stop this uh, this group that uh, terrorized their people, their land on October 7th. And really, uh, Israel is a force of good for the entire earth. Um, militant Islam is a concern. Now you notice I didn't just say Islam. Now, there's Islamic people that live here in Kansas City. I've uh, gone to some of their restaurants. They make great food. They want to live here in America and dwell in peace. They're not for Hamas. So we uh, we thank God for uh, <laughs> uh, people that want to dwell in peace. But there is a fraction within Islam that would like nothing better to do than to wipe out Israel and to wipe out America. So I think this is uh, important for us to pray for Israel, to support Israel, uh, and get behind our ally in all of these uh, efforts that they are doing. I know it's political. I know it's uh, 
There, there are differences of opinion on this, even within our own organization. I can't imagine that, but you know, that's just how it is, right? And Jesus said that Israel would be a cup of trembling. It would be disputed. It would be, uh, I guess, um, uh, people would debate amongst each other. But I'm on the side that God swore an oath to Abraham, and I believe in that oath, and I don't want to do anything to uh, stifle that oath. I want to be a blessing <laughs> to who God has blessed, right? And so it's just uh, uh, just hard times, troublesome times. It seems like we got out of the COVID problem and then more problems uh, arose. That's that's really what my dad preached for, uh, well, he still preaches it, but for years I remember him saying, either you're in a problem, coming out of a problem, or going into a problem. You always have problems. Everybody does. Everybody has problems. I don't care who you are. You're driving in the car right now listening to this. You have a problem going on in your life. Whoever is driving next to you has a problem in their life. If you're listening to this in your house, your neighbor has a problem. Uh, every, every house has a problem. Everybody on the job has a problem. Right after Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, uh, problems came into the world. And you will always have chaos. You'll always have conflict. Uh, the trick is, can you recover and navigate through it? I learned this. I learned, and I tell you where I learned this. I was out playing golf with my dad. I can drive the golf ball thirty to forty yards farther than my dad every single time. I can outdrive him. The trick is that second shot. My dad can put it right on the green every single time. Me, uh, I duff it. I'll shoot it into the trees. And, you know, and from time to time, Dad will too. He'll, he'll hit one in the rough. The, the tr- but what he can do is recover. He can get out of it. I can't. And I think a lot of us in life are that way. Everybody is going to shoot the ball into the woods, shoot it into the rough. All of us are going to have to get the golf ball out of the weeds. Do you know how to do that? Or can you only hit the ball on a tee? Or can you only hit the ball when it's on the fairway? You're going to have to learn to hit it out of some rough grass. And I think just in life, with yourself, your marriage, being a parent, being a student, being an employee, being a TikTok passenger princess with no driver's license, whatever, you're always going to have problems. Why not take those problems and motivate it uh, and, and use it to motivate you to become more spiritual. Because if all else fails, if you have peace with God, you've got so much how rich you really are. And this time and this season, it, Christmas has its way of not creating problems, but you realize how many problems you really have. And I think God has designed it this way. It's designed, Christmas is designed to kind of flow into the new year, you know? Figure out all your problems and then better yourself come this January. <laughs> so if you're, you know, one of the problems I hear from a lot of people is they're uh, so alone, alone, alone. Well, you know, being alone, I get it. Some things are out of our control, but if you don't work on family, yeah, you're going to be alone this holiday season. If you don't work on establishing friends and good connections this holiday season, it's going to be difficult, you know, for you to feel like you have people in your life. And so if you're alone, you realize how alone 
You really are. Uh, during the holidays, if you are invested in family, you just you get to enjoy uh, all the, the fruits of your labor to keep family alive and to keep family active. Uh, your friends that you have, if you, you know, you get to enjoy the friendships and the relationships that you have. So that's what this time of year does. It accentuates what you really are. Yep, it's hard to hide your family dynamic around Christmas. It's hard to hide your friend dynamic around Christmas. If your relationship with Jesus is struggling, oh, it'll come out this Christmas season. It really, really will. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. Take God's love to another level in your life by giving to the ministry of this podcast. Give an offering through Cash App, PayPal, or Venmo at Justin C. Gleason. Thanks and be blessed. So we want you to go into the Christmas season strong and confident in your walk with God, in the life that you live. And I want to break down for you some depth about the Lord Jesus Christ in his first appearance unto us. The Christmas story, if you're not careful, you can think of it as being, oh, something so cute and something so sweet. And it is. It's precious. It's tender. It's, it's, it's our Messiah as a little baby. It's sweet. But you've got to look beyond the cute little nativity scenes and the sweet baby Jesus and realize all of the conflict and chaos surrounding it and all of the, um, I guess, aggression and the violence from the enemy that tried to prevent this from happening. That's all there. Something else that is there, my personal favorite parts of the Christmas story, is the fulfillment of prophecy. The fulfillment of prophecy. I want to talk to you specifically about the Shiloh prophecy that was fulfilled in the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, A lot of prophecies happen for the Lord Jesus Christ. For instance, Isaiah's prophecy, a virgin shall conceive and his name shall be called Emmanuel. Isaiah gave that prophecy around 735 B.C., 735 B.C. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, a virgin shall conceive and his name shall be called Emmanuel. Well, that was fulfilled. That was fulfilled in A.D. 0, <laughs> when Mary was con- conceived a child and that which was conceived in her, which was of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Just a side note here, Uh, Jesus was not a divine zygote. uh, That doctrine is floating around out there. They believe that, that Mary's DNA had had no significance in the birth of Jesus. But the Bible says that which is conceived in you is of the Holy Spirit. So there was conception, not implanting. Okay. All right, I I don't know how much I need to go off on that, but the, yeah, that idea is floating around. You know, I, I guess there's room for that among us as oneness Pentecostals, but you want my judgment in this. The seed of the woman, as spoken of in the book of Genesis, was used in the birth of Messiah, okay? All right, moving on. Also, another prophecy, the prophet Micah. He foresaw that out of Bethlehem would come a ruler, Out of Bethlehem would come a ruler, also around 700 years before Jesus was born. And that was fulfilled when he was born in Bethlehem, okay? So Mary was a virgin, not having known a man. The Holy Spirit moved upon her. She conceived, 
and Jesus was born. It also happened not in Nazareth, where she was from, but through uh, the proclamation of Caesar Augustus, the census, all that. Her and Joseph had to go to Bethlehem, and Jesus was born in Bethlehem. So, I mean, there's a lot of prophecy surrounding it. One you may not know about is the Shiloh prophecy. Going back into the book of Genesis, yes, the, the Christmas story is in Genesis. It sure is. Genesis 49 and verse 10. Jacob prophesied to all of his sons about their lives and their futures, the future generations, spoke a prophecy to Judah. And he says in Genesis 49 verse 10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience of the people. Isn't that something? So we're going to break that down for you. That is uh, huge, especially when it comes to the timing of the birth of Christ. And I'm going to explain it to you. Let's talk about the scepter. A scepter. A scepter uh, in the Hebrew, Shabbat. It's a, it's, a, it's a rod, a staff, or a branch, or like an offshoot. could also be used to describe a club, a scepter, but it's, it's just a, it's a tool that a ruler would use to signify kind of what he uh, is, is doing as a leader. For us as Pentecostal preachers, a lot of us it is, yes, our Bible. Sometimes it's our notebooks up there on the pulpit. Sometimes it's our phones or our iPads, you know, up there swinging that around. Uh, then for some of us, it is the uh, microphone. All you need is that microphone. That's that scepter. You talk into that, and that's like your power. That's that's probably the number one thing. It is that microphone. If if I got the mic, that's my scepter. I'm in charge here. So not not much has changed at all from then to now. Ooh, man, I need to wake up. <laughs> I'm yawning and stretching. <laughs> and so anyway, uh, where was I? Oh, yeah, the microphone. She got that microphone. The preacher's preaching away, and if he's got the mic, he's got the authority. Sometimes it's the handkerchief. They get that handkerchief going, get that swinging around, you know, that's it. So a king, a teacher, whatever, has a scepter, something he's holding in his hand to uh, get the class's attention. So Shiloh, uh, or excuse me, Judah would always have that, always have some kind of scepter uh, to be a ruler and a leader. A lawgiver between his feet. That is a Hebrew idiom for students of the law. There would always be present in Judah. There would be future generations of, of Judah and governing powers. So they're going to have the scepter. They're going to have future generations of governing powers. So what this prophecy is saying in Hebrew idiom over here to us in English, the Apostolic Church in 2023, what Jacob was saying Long, long ago in the Old Testament book of Genesis, that Judah would always exist and have the right to enforce Mosaic law upon the people. Okay? It would always be there until Shiloh comes. Once Shiloh, who or whatever that is, that scepter and the students between the feet would be gone. Whoever this Shiloh is would become the scepter. Whoever this Shiloh is would become the lawgiver. That's what Jacob foresaw. That is what Israel prophesied. Okay. Let's look at this word Shiloh. It's the Hebrew word Shiloh. 
Shiloh became a city in Ephraim. It, you know, it's a common word in, in the Hebrew language. Uh, it, so it became a city. So, and this is this is moving forward after Israel, Joshua, all of that conquered the land of the Israel. So, so that city was set up Shiloh. It, it's where uh, it's it's where Eli was, the great prophet. It's where the tabernacle and the ark sat for a while. Okay, so it's where Samuel was called to be a prophet. But this city of Shiloh was not a fulfillment of Genesis forty nine ten because uh, even after that city had come and gone, there was still. Uh, uh, Judah holding that scepter and having lawgivers from between their feet. So that city did not become the lawgiver. It did not become that. Okay. So that's not it. Let's keep on digging. Judah held that scepter through the city of Shiloh, through uh, Samuel, through all of that for a long time, really from the time of Egypt, 40 years in the wilderness, the conquest of Canaan through the time of the judges, Samuel, Saul, David, all of that. Uh, even th- when David, of course, his uh, capital being in Jerusalem, established in Judah uh, during the time even of the division of the kingdom between uh, the north and south, Rehoboam, Jeroboam, all of that. Through the time period of the kings and the prophets, the Judeans always enforced Mosaic law. They were the ones who would uh, would lead and, and, you know, become the, I guess, the focal point in the city of Jerusalem for judgment. Even during the Babylonian captivity, many of the tribes of Israel vanished and disappeared throughout the nations of the earth, but they're going to be gathered back one day, the second coming of the Lord. But, uh, it's it, Judah still held the law. Who did the Babylonians come for? The Judeans. Why do you think they're called Jews to this day? It's because they are Judean. The tribe of Judah has always been the strong tribe. They're the ones that Jesus came out of, right? They were the ones that held that scepter in the time of Babylonian captivity, even coming back from the Babylonian captivity. And during the uh, intertestamental period, uh, during the times when there was great conflicts between the Persians and the Greeks, uh, that is when the Jews, the Judean, the Jews, that's what they became. They still had a scepter. They still had students or lawgivers right there between their feet. It was there for a long time, lasted nearly, uh, it was like 1,900 years that prophecy uh, uh, was in force there from the uh, patriarch Jacob. Well, the time came for that prophecy to come to pass. The removal of the scepter and the lawgiver between the feet of Judah had to come to pass. So, According to history, such as Josephus and other historians, Herod the Great, who was not a Jew, he was an Edomite, a descendant of Esau. He granted power to the Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin, who were mostly, if not all of them, descendants of Judah. The Sanhedrin, they held that scepter. They, you know, uh, they were, they, you know, they, 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 they did law and things like that. Uh, held up Mosaic law. After Herod's death, he was succeeded by his son, Archelaus. He also granted power to the Sanhedrin. But in the year A.D. 7, Archelaus was dethroned. He was banished. And he was replaced by a Roman leader, a procurator. His name being Caponius. 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 I can't speak Latin. Caponias. We'll go with we'll go with Caponias. How about that? 
Caponius Caponius, the Roman whoever, he is the one who restricted the legal power of the Sanhedrin. He took it away from them. And so for the first time since Jacob's prophecy, 1900 years before this, the scepter was taken away from Judah. The lawgivers between the feet of Judah have been removed by the Romans. This is very significant. Around AD 7 is when this happened. And this was a big deal. People knew what was going on. The scepter departed from Judah. Caponius completely dethroned the Mosaic law from among their people. And the Romans took authority over who could be saved and who could be killed. The Romans took authority over who could be imprisoned and who could not be imprisoned. The Romans took control over marriage and divorce and all of those things. The law departed from Judah in A.D. 70, or A.D. 7, excuse me, A.D. 7. So this was confusing for the Jews. Matter of fact, they went on fast. They mourned. Uh, they, They lamented this. But many of them knew According to prophecy, this is the time Messiah should appear. And there was a lot of messiahs, false messiahs, that appeared to try to take over and overthrow the Romans. But little did they know, somewhere up in the northern part of Israel, out of the region of Naphtali, as the prophets said, a great light has come to the Gentiles. (laughs) Praise God. And that is where Yeshua, the Son of God, would have been. Jesus Christ, praise the Lord. So he'd have been about seven or eight. And I know some people have their own opinions about the timing of this. Maybe he could have been uh, three years old. Some say he was born in A.D. three or four. I, I'm not in that zone. I just believe it the way it is. Jesus was born in year zero. That's just how I <laughs> I view it. I don't get into all that confusing stuff. But whatever. Around that time. Little Shiloh, little Shiloh, little Jesus would have had his bar mitzvah being seven, eight years old around that time. He had come. He could have been a ruler at that age, eight years old. Praise God. Mm. And the Lord knew it. The Holy Spirit knew it. And wise men from the east knew it. They saw the stars. They knew the line of the tribe of Judah was there and brought gifts fit for a king for him. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Praise God. And so, yeah, Jesus was that Shiloh. The scepter was given to him. The law was given to him. It was taken from an old kingdom, an old way, an old covenant. And a new one was now present. Praise God. So now Judah became submitted, became under the rule, the rulership of the Lord Jesus Christ, who now governed. He didn't come to destroy the law, but came to fulfill it. Boy, did he ever. That's right. He sure did. Mm. He took rulership over Israel, took rulership over heaven, took rulership over the power of death and hell itself, everything. Scepter is now in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1, verses 8 through 9, it says, But to the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness and the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Praise God. The Justin C. Gleason podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Press follow and become a loyal listener. 
give a five-star rating, and write a great review. You can also get more content from me at the Life Church KC Podcast. You're here to listen, and I'm here to talk. So as as a church here on this earth, we recognize Jesus as King. And we are the students between his feet. We are his disciples growing and learning his law and sharing his law and telling others about his lordship. And that is who he is in heaven. He's ruling. He's guiding. He's enforcing the law, the law that he set up, the law that he gave. He fulfilled it. He now fulfills it. And more is to come. So that's your Christmas story. That's your Jesus. It wasn't just random like most of us. His birth had significance. The timing of it, the fulfillment of prophecy, all of it surrounds him. Down to the very jot and tittle. From the taking away of the scepter from Judah, taking away that Mosaic law from that tribe, those people, those rulers, and giving it to another, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you think about his trial, the Lord Jesus Christ's trial. If Caiaphas could have had his way, he would have stoned the Lord right there. But he didn't. He knew he couldn't. Why? Because the scepter had been taken from them. <laughs> you know, about 20, uh, or 27 years before that, 25 years before that, right around the time when Jesus would have been eight years old, bar mitzvahed. They couldn't do it, so where did they take him? Pontius Pilate, the Roman. All of that is in place. Little did they know, he is the one that had the scepter. You know, the, the Roman soldiers put a crown of thorns on his head, gave him a, a little rod there. They were making fun of him, mocking him, put a royal purple robe around him, mocking him. But little did they know, they were actually worshiping him. <laughs> actually uh, uh, exalting him for what he really was. He had become the lawgiver. He fought for that kingdom, gave his own life for it, spilled his own blood for us. Not all was lost. His soul went down into hell as the soul of every person does. And when he got down into hell, because he was the lawgiver and ruler, hell tried to take the righteous soul of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was not deserving of hell, but hell tried to take him. And so because of false witness, Because of all of the false things that they did, Jesus could judge hell. He could judge death, and rightfully so. Hell can't have the innocent. And so, therefore, he looked at all of the Old Testament saints, and because their righteousness, according to the Old Testament law, they were no longer judged either. So he took all of the Old Testament saints out of the underworld and brought them to paradise, where they are to this day. And for those of us that follow this Shiloh, This Jesus, our lawgiver, hell has no power over you. Satan has no power over you. He is the one who judges. He is the one who makes the declarations. He is the one who we follow. And if you follow him now, you can follow him up into heaven. If you follow Shiloh now, you can follow him into paradise one day. That's right. Don't look for another. Don't look for another Messiah. I know they're out there. Don't look for all of these false ideas. It, it is amazing how many false teachings and heresies have arisen 
during this last three to four years, how much deception is out there. It's bad enough people went back to their sins, like a dog returning to their vomit. People have gone back to their drugs. People have gone back to their whoring around. People have gone back to their porn. People have gone back to their parties. People have gone back to this and that. But then there are others being found in their own righteousness, which is not of the law. Forsaking the righteousness of Jesus Christ, forsaking the law of Christ, and believing other things that are contrary to the laws of Christ. Christ is everything. He sure is. If you have Jesus, you have the law. If you have this Shiloh, you have the law. If you're a student of Jesus, if he has become your rabbi and you are his uh, Talmud, his Talmudim, disciples of Jesus, you have the law working and flowing in your life. So turn to this Shiloh. I think some of you don't believe me. I think some of you are like, what is this? Well, sometimes in your Bible, you got to read between the lines and you do have to dig up some history and you do got to go back and forth from Old Testament to New Testament. The wisdom of the scriptures, it, sometimes it is past finding out. It'll blow your mind, but I know what I am talking about. Jacob foresaw it. That yes, the law would be great for a long time with Judah and it served its purpose, but the time came for that scepter to be taken from them and to be given to another Judean. The Lord Jesus Christ, who was from Judah, he was a son of David, but he was baptized by a Levite named John, baptizing him into the priesthood, and thus he became king and he became priest. He fulfills both, just like Melchizedek, and he's up there in heaven ruling and guiding. I know it may not look like it, but the Lord's got everything in control. He really does. You know, uh, some people wonder why there's so much conflict in the world. Have you ever heard of the statement, if your enemy is going to make a mistake, let him make it? <laughs> and I think the Lord right now is letting the enemies make mistakes. You may be wondering, why is the enemy having control in my life? Why is all this going on and on and on and on? Well, you know what the Lord is? A judge. I've talked to, uh, to people who are in law enforcement. Some are on SWAT, uh, some uh, American military, and it's a common strategy. If you know a thief is about to steal, you let him steal, and then you catch him in the act because you got the law on your side, and God does everything by law. Sometimes the Lord will let the enemy wreak a little havoc so he can judge him righteously. That's what this is all about. The old timers figured it out. This world is not our home. We're just passing through, and they knew that the trouble they had to face would work out for their good someday. In this season and time, I've been hearing so much about my problems, <laughs> all of my sorrows, all of my fear, all of my anxiety, and all of my depression. You know what? If you're going through it, keep on going. The lawgiver's watching over you. Don't give up on him. You know, as some of, some of us as adults, we're acting like little children and crying about our problems. Now, there's nothing wrong with crying. I cry. I do. I grieve, I pray, I complain to the Lord a lot. But you know what? I keep on going and I keep on prevailing. And some of you are crying because your golf ball, you hit it into the pond. Well, you know what? Take off your shoes, take off your socks, roll up your pants, get out your 60-degree wedge and chip that thing out of the water and keep on playing. Don't stop. 
You know, if you get a flat tire on the road, do you just sit out and cry by the car? Yeah, for a little bit. But then you get out your jack and your spare tire and you put it on and you keep going. You got to keep going. Why stop? Why wallow in sorrow? Why have hysteria over problems that don't even exist? You know, the human mind is like a time machine. It really is. At any given moment, you're going to think about the past. You're going to think about the future. And then very rarely do you think about the present. The greatest and most successful, prosperous people, they knew how to live in the present and pull things from the past and the future to help their present. You got to learn from the past. You got to learn from your victories and your mistakes, and that'll help your present. And then you got to think about the future, the goal, where you're going. That will help your present. We need to let go of the past. We need to not worry about tomorrow and do as Jesus commanded us our lawgiver, and he laid down the law day by day. Pray every day. Get after it. I know some of you, you come to church just because of love. I want to feel love. I just need love, 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 man, love. Yeah, there's love, but you know what else there is? Law. And I think a lot of us would have a better life and a better change of scenery and would enjoy our Christmases more. If we would get back to some law, get back to some rules, get back to some boundaries, get back to some parameters and stop focusing on love, 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 love. That's all God is. He just loves, man. He loves you. You're okay. I'm okay, man. There's no sin, man. There's nothing wrong, man. Just love, man. It's okay. It's good for you. Try it. Drink it. Smoke it. Have it. Do it. Do it. If it feels good, man, do it in the road, man. Not what my Bible says, not the God I serve. He is a judge, and he is a ruler and a lawgiver. And let me tell you, his law, when you get into it and you obey it, watch your life become amazing. Most of the problems you have, probably the results of sin. Probably the results of sin. You know? So uh, stick with God's law. Watch it become amazing. You know, this is a judgment-free zone, right? I, I pastor a judgment-free zone church, but we are not a warning-free zone. I don't judge. I warn you about the judgment of God, and believe me, you'll want to listen to it. I don't police anybody to obey the laws of God, but I example it, I teach it, I show it, and the people that follow the laws of God have the best lives ever. Let's start with this. Men, you are commanded to love your wife. You are commanded to love your wife. There is no, if you feel like it, there is no, well, she said she did this. She treats me. If you will start loving your wife, watch that home become amazing. Wives, you are commanded to submit to your husbands. That's not if you feel like it. That's not if you agree, whatever. You're commanded to do it. You're commanded to let him take the lead. If you start to do that, Watch your life become amazing. You're 16, 17, 18 years old. You think you know everything, but you're still living in your mom's basement. The Bible says, children, obey your parents that your life may be long. I don't care if you're 16 and got a car and got a job and got a girlfriend or whatever. Mom says, be home by 11. You better get your hind end home by 11. 
If your dad says every paycheck you pay 10% to God in this church and then 10% to your savings account, you better start doing it. Obey your parents. That's the scepter from heaven. Mm. God's up there on his throne right now, tapping that scepter on that throne. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Obey my word. Obey my law. All right. Don't walk on the counsel of the ungodly, but start meditating on the law of the Lord. You start doing that, your Christmas of 2024 is going to be pretty awesome. Okay. See how God judges? He does. We're in a season of grace, but that judgment is coming. Uh, You read in Genesis that within the first six chapters, the Lord floods the entire world. And here now, since uh, Jesus became Shiloh and took over that scepter 2,023 years later, give or take a few years, it's the season of grace. But the day is going to come when a fire will begin to consume this earth. You don't want to be here for that. You do not want to be here for that. So start obeying the laws of God. Dig into it. Search it out. Learn it. Study it. Start following it. Don't start making up your own rules. Start following God's rules. Okay? How about this? In 1 Corinthians 7, we are forbidden from marrying a non-believer. You're in a relationship with a non-believer, a non-apostolic. It's time to break up. That's the law of God. Obey the law of God and find your, your life becoming amazing. Okay? So yeah, you don't need a dream. You don't need a prophecy. You don't need a tongues and interpretation. Start getting the law. Prophecy agrees with the law. Tongues and interpretation agrees with the law. Start following that scepter. May the laws of God bless your life. It will. And may the Lord Jesus Christ, our Shiloh, govern and lead your life. I'm Justin C. Gleason telling you how it really is. Merry Christmas.